It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. With our scouting meeting in the rearview mirror, Sebastian and I will break down how this kind of goes and what goes on behind the scenes over at Dauber Prospects with the scouting meeting of the November 2024 NHL Draft Rankings. All that's coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's show, we'll be breaking down some of the kind of discussions that happen behind the scenes of a scouting meeting, especially around these difficult conversations where two players are kind of neck and neck. And how, as a scouting team, we kind of get around the issue of ranking them. Uh, and in which order. Uh, we'll get into that specifically regarding two different comparisons. First and foremost, we've got Berkeley Catton versus Caden Lindstrom, two really good WHLers who really ended up neck and neck in, in our rankings and, and among the consensus. Uh, we'll also talk about Sam Dickinson versus Zane Parekh, two OHL defenders who were also pretty close in terms of the comparison um, on draft day and where they can go. So we'll talk about all that more in detail and kind of break down the differences between them and how we kind of reached a consensus regarding that. We'll also talk to through some bullish takes and how we reflect them in our rankings. Um, you know, we'll talk about Tisha Ginla, Luke Misa, Cole Hudson, a bunch of players who, you know, a lot of players were banging the table for, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of our scouts are banging the table for and how we make sure to reflect everyone's opinions in the scouting team, you know, within our meeting. So we'll get into that on today's show. Before we get into it though, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you wanted to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So, Sebastian, let's get right into it. Um, we'll start talking a bit about kind of how it went. Uh, without giving you any kind of spoilers, this is in the kind of an exclusive look at um, an exclusive early look at what the rankings are kind of going to look like. But make sure to, to tune in later this week as uh, the rankings come out. Um, we'll, we'll make sure to share them on all socials and, and make them public for everyone. So you can go ahead and check out what our rankings are to be as a team. But um, let's start off with kind of the conversation that happened around Berkeley Catton versus Caden uh, Lindstrom, because I think that that conversation was really interesting. And I like how we navigated that um, in previous years before we probably would have spent, you know, 40 minutes just on that conversation. So talk me through yeah. what happened there, what we talked about and what was the consensus at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, it was a discussion kind of sparked by just how wide open this draft class becomes after uh, well, multiple different points in the first half of the first round. There are multiple yeah. drop-off points in, in our eyes in value between tiers, and one big one was between one and two. We think that Celebrini is kind of separating himself from the pack a little bit, but we had another one a bit further down in our top 10 and Lindstrom and Catton were kind of the, the, the two most enthusiastic guys that among our scouting team that, that we were really, really hyped up for that we like a lot for multiple different reasons as will, will be very, very clear in our ranking meeting, which will be posted. And once it is, I will uh, link it down in the, the description here, but uh, yeah, it was a fascinating debate because it, it was not 
one really centered on size versus skill, uh, which you often see between like the big WHL forward versus the small WHL forward. Rather, it was a question of upside versus projectability versus what they've shown so far versus development curves. There were many different arguments that were taking place here, and it made a really interesting argument to have with the entire scouting team involved i think we had at least four or five people chiming in with what they've seen from these guys from these different players and uh in the end uh we ended up going for for one where we had a slight tinge more popular support but even then i think we were pretty much divided down the middle uh it was almost a 50 50 uh, yeah. And and yeah, but but I, th I think in the end, the player that I have higher ended up being second on our board. But as you said, like these are both players that are going to feature well inside our top ten, and uh, whether or not they are in one order or another when they are back to back in our rankings was not something they want. They, we really wanted to spend much time on debating because mm -hmm. there isn't that much of a point, especially with an early ranking of really really narrowing it down to individual slots it was it's far far more about the ranges that players are supposed to be in and kind of uh debating those ranges themselves because uh it, as you said in the past we have perhaps been a little bit uh blinded by our desires to get our specific guys into an arbitrary slot uh yeah. and has spent dozens of minutes arguing over individual slots for players outside the top 10 which it, especially for non-final rankings is a bit tough to, to rationalize, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting debate as was one that we had even earlier in our meeting, which was uh, Sam Dickinson versus Zane Parekh in which yeah. Sam Dickinson got most of the popular support in terms of like the time spent in our meeting. But I know mm -hmm. that uh, multiple others of us were uh, kind of staying quiet, but uh, kind of cheering on Parekh in that, in that head to head battle. But uh, yeah. what was your perspective on that? on that specific comparison. Yeah, I think that, you know, it was pretty spot on in terms of how we kind of discussed it and, and described it. We're talking about a player in Sam Dickinson that, you know, has everything required in order to have a high-end impact at the NHL level. Um, defensively, for me, he's, he's one of the best prospects I've ever scouted in terms of his defensive abilities, his ability to close gaps, his stick his stick positioning, his stick control, the aggressiveness with, it, with which he plays, and the composure in terms of not throwing himself into every hit, um, even though he could and would, and it would work given how good at skating and how physically prominent he is um, on that team. Just the fact that, you know, our OHL scout Jordan Harris brought him up as, you know, a player who carved himself a top four role on a team that had multiple high-end veteran pieces. We're talking um, Isaiah George, Logan Mayu, Oliver Bonk. I mean, he he's still, he still managed to not only carve himself a top four role, but now that Mayu is gone, um, he's become a top pair defender on the, on the London Knights, you know, which isn't, it's not your average program. It's a very difficult program to um, to excel in as a defenseman, and and to and to get you know top minutes in. Uh, you need to play a certain way. You need to earn it in a certain way, especially when you have players that are so prominent in terms of you know you know veteran presences on that back end. Like I said, you know, with Oliver Bonk there and and with Isaiah George there, I expected that to be their first pair. But Sam Dickinson made it very clear that he deserves to be on that and. You know, there are some questions about offensive upside. I'm not as um, hesitant regarding that. I think that Dickinson is exploring his game in very interesting ways. Um, 
He's adding a bit more of that long-range offense. I've seen more cross-rink passes uh, and, and stretch passes from him as the season has gone on. And on top of that, his small area playmaking is so, so solid. Um, he has a booming shot. He's not afraid to use it. And, you know, he activates from the offensive zone. He's not kind of magnetically glued to that blue line, which you see a lot from a lot of defensive uh, defensive defensemen, usually. Um, he's exploring these areas of his game, so I'm not too concerned about that. So I think that's, you know, that was a separating factor is that, you know, Zane Parekh, yes, has improved his game, but Sam Dickinson has such a solid base of skills and he can just add and add and add to that. Um, kind of like we saw Kaden Gooley in his draft year um, versus right now. Kaden Gooley right now is playing like the best Habs defenseman. And there's a reason for that. It's because he's added so many tools to his game over the years. If he was pretty much the same player, um, as in his draft here, he probably would have made the NHL, but would not be as impactful at all as he is right now. So I think that that's kind of the blueprint that's being followed for Dickinson. And that's why at the end of the day, he ended up higher. Um, but yeah, for, for, I understand the arguments for Parekh. He is mesmerizing with the puck. He's so dynamic, so fluid, so composed. Um, every pass he makes is accurate and, 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 and well-timed and well, well, well managed. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with either one of them. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, there was a bit more support for Dickinson, and that's how we split it at the end of the day. And especially with our OHL scout, Jordan Harris, um, you know, preferring uh, Dickinson over Parekh, we had to reflect that in our rankings. It's just a matter of respect. You know, his job is to is to follow that 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 group. So if he says Dickinson over Parekh, usually if it's tied, we give Harris the final word or whoever's the regional scout for two players. And it was the same for uh Katten and Lindstrom, right? I mean, Luke Sweeney was banging the table for Katten first. We went with Katten first. So yeah, uh, that wraps things up for our first segment. We'll get into our second segment where we talk about, um, you know, uh, bullish takes kind of uh, players that we, um, we were banging the table for a bit higher than others. Um, we'll get to that right after these messages from our sponsors over at game time. If you're looking for tickets for any event, especially if they're last minute, game time is the best place to get them done. Uh, I love game time mainly because my schedule is very uh, volatile. So, you know, I can find myself with an afternoon free out of nowhere. Um, and it's really important for me to be able to get tickets quickly and, and reliably to events when I want to, whether that's uh, sporting events like going and watching the Habs and, uh, and, and at the Bell Center or anything from, you know, comedy to theater to anything that requires tickets, really. Um, with game time, you can get tickets up until the last minute before the event and even sometimes an hour after it starts. So really reliable and really useful in that sense, um, especially for people like me who have, you know, these kind of schedules that are unpredictable. Um, what's really fun with, uh, with game time is they have a bunch of other deals as well to kind of support you in finding the best, the best tickets for the best price. Um, they got flash deals. They've got zone deals, which I really like where you pick the row and, uh, game, you pick the section and game time picks the seats. And that gives you about an average of 18% of savings. Um, and the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. So if you find a ticket in the same, uh, row and section for less than what game time has to offer, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, it's really simple. Just create an account and redeem the code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk a bit about uh, some of the bullish takes we had in this draft, guys that we're higher or lower on, uh, and just overall kind of talking about how we reflect our regional scouts' wishes in these uh, rankings, because, you know, 
some of the, some of the guys that we that, that we have on our team have certain guys that we don't really have in that range, but they have them way higher than the rest, and we have to respect that in our ranking. So what we do is we kind of compensate for that by ranking them at a position that makes sense for everyone. Um, for example, we'll start with Tishaginla. Um, I, I I know you and I saw Tishaginla as more of a kind of you know, 25 to 32 range pick, a guy that, you know, would definitely make the first round, but in a late, late sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, as the year's gone on, um, I've grown to like him a bit more. At first, I saw him as a second rounder, but as the year has gone on, I've liked him a bit more. And when we got to the meeting, Luke was like, yeah, he needs to be like, you know, he needs to be among the first WHLers off the board once we hit like 15. So we were like, oh, okay, let's let's respect that. Um, yeah. So yeah, talk me through how that went uh, and and what the conversation was because there were there were three or four WHLers in this kind of batch of players um, and yeah, how did we end up kind of splitting hairs on that? Yeah, th- this entire situation was sparked when we hit fifteenth overall and we had about yeah. like five names that we could have put in a blender and been pretty okay with. And yep. uh, I think it probably took us like five to ten minutes to actually get that all sorted. That was one of the the, the speed bumps that we hit in our in, in our meeting. That, that that took a little bit longer because it, like the draft really opens up after the top fifteen in our eyes. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, like like it was a back and forth. I know, like I myself was was, was pumping the tires of guys like like Luke Misa in this range, and um and, and you were kind of going for Terry Parasak, but. Uh, yeah. Luke, having watched WHL a ton and uh, constructing a pretty pretty sound argument for Tejaginla in that range, uh, yeah. we were we were very quite happy to to kind of just just go with it because at least my, my mantra uh, with scouting meetings in general and being part of a scouting team. Uh, especially with early season rankings is yeah. to, to to trust in the team. There, there's no point in having a scouting team. If this is going to be a thing where I, or the two of us as, uh, as like kind of the head scouts um, try to veto uh, arguments of our, our scouting team. Like our role yeah. is to mediate discussion, try to, to, to give direction to meetings, ask the right questions, make sure everyone can get involved rather than like really constructing the skeleton of, of, of the rankings that's not our role yeah. our role is, is 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 to kind of allow discussion to flourish and that's the beauty of it right that like there'd be no point in working as part of a team if you weren't trying to get everyone's voices heard and represented in our rankings so the fact that uh that that again like cracked our top 20 is indicative of us having varying opinions within our scouting staff and that is the beauty of scouting and the debate that we were able to have in this field so i really enjoy those moments uh in in our meetings where we have some contention because uh that that's where i feel like like scouting arguments shine the brightest you can really kind of make a stand for the players you believe in and that was another thing that i I felt was important was to communicate to everyone if you've got a guy that, that you just like a ton for whatever reason uh bring up the name like the first meeting of the year is the one to make those statements uh there's there are fewer repercussions if uh, if they don't end up being first or second round caliber talents uh, yeah. come draft day because the first it's the first ranking of the year right we have bigger leeway for mistakes but uh, just as in like developing young prospects I want us to kind of lean into those mistakes and lean into those hotter takes and taking those risks especially yeah. early on in the season when it doesn't matter as much because 
it would be very, very boring to have a scouting team where we were just kind of looking at consensus and 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 echoing everything. That we wouldn't be adding anything to this discussion, and it'd be way more boring to take part in those meetings. So, uh, yeah, I really actually enjoyed uh, those debates that we had around players like Tiffany Gimlin, for instance. Yeah, for sure. And I really like how there was just a big batch of, of WHLers here. We had Ryder Ritchie, Tijaginla, Tarek Parasek, Tanner Howell um, as four WHLers that were pretty yeah. much neck and neck with a couple other names. And that's that was kind of the big um, that was kind of the big glut of players we could have blended in and we would have been fine. And as long along with Adam Yurichek, maybe even Arn Kiviharu could be in that conversation as well. But yeah, it was a very interesting kind of batch of players. And I like how we kind of ended up with consensus on that. We We really kind of leaned in on uh luke's thoughts on this because you know i've also watched a lot of whl and i probably would have had an in a different kind of um direction but like you said our role is to make sure that we surround our team with the best support possible and we take the word into consideration and especially when guys have a specific name above another like tijikinla um that's part of the conversation and that brings us to luke misa um luke misa is a an incredibly speedy, incredibly pacey, incredibly skilled player who, um, you know, even though the puck skills aren't all there, I mean, he's got a, such a solid foundation of skills, and everything he does is done at such a high speed. Not just because he plays fast, uh, not not just because he skates fast, but because he plays and thinks fast. And that combination really put him in this conversation. I mean, you know, from what I understand, you at at this, you know, before he had it into this scouting meet, you were under the impression that you would have to bring up Luke Misa at twenty. And yeah. we were already talking about him earlier than that. So, yeah, um, that was really interesting, I feel. Um, and Luke Mies is the type of player that you can kind of see end up in this range. But this is the reflection of what we were talking about in previous episodes about, you know, the first ranking of the year is really just so that you can showcase that you like a certain guy more than consensus and you know sort of bang the table for him and i feel like that was the case for luke misa because at the end of the day if luke misa ends up having a poor second half of the year and ends up off of off the first round board no one really looks back at the november rankings with any seriousness but if he ends up continuing to play the way he has and improves his game and ends up in the top of field on everyone's rankings we can kind of look back and see you know we had him there first you know that kind of thing so uh that's one player that i kind of kind of you know bring that caveat to because it's really important to make that distinction i think it's really important to um to rank players based on how you like them earlier in the year sure. and then as the year goes on you solidify the rankings uh yeah especially in in, in this draft class too like i think one, one of the big topics in, in our meeting was that i think everyone was, was a little bit surprised by how big of a wall we hit at like 14th overall yeah, uh, we hit a massive, massive wall where I think we as a team collectively realize at the same time just how big of a drop off there is between like 14 mm-hmm. and 15, where there is a player that we kind of just slot in at 14 by necessity that nobody was particularly enthusiastic about in that range. But mm-hmm. there just weren't any other names. I think that this draft definitely lacks top 20 talent uh, outside the top 10. And uh, also one of the reasons that we we're kind of able to to make pretty bullish takes on players we like a lot because there weren't necessarily the those uh, uh, stalwarts that that like hogged up those ten to twenty uh, ranking slots as they usually do, uh, and instead it felt like we jumped from like top twelve talents to top twenty five talents in one pick. And yeah. uh, when it opened up that way, I just I told everyone like. 
if you've got a guy now's the time already like yeah. you might have them written down as like a like a 20 to 30 range player but yeah. we have nobody enthusiastically banging the table for anyone right now so it's wide open and that's how we kind of got some not some fun bullish uh, takes in here, which which I think made the meeting more more exciting, a bit more unpredictable, and it's also what what is kind of fun with the first meeting of the year. We we didn't have a default ranking to kind of go back on and edit, uh, yeah. and it's our first one that we've built this season. So yeah. there's a lot more intrigue and mystique into how it would actually form up, uh, which was quite fun. Yeah, absolutely. And that wraps things up for our second segment. We'll head into our third, where we talk about some more kind of bullish takes, including the uh, the one and only Cole Hudson. Uh, we'll get into those uh, those kind of discussions and breakdowns right after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's right, 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking of joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and you can use your bonus bets on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and more. Whether you want to bet on your favorite team to win the Super Bowl or on your least favorite team to miss the playoffs, the choice is yours with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, so ending things off with our final section here. We'll continue on our kind of bullish takes kind of run. Um, we'll get into Cole Hudson here first and foremost because I think of that this was kind of a, an interesting one. Um, I'm still on the fence with Cole Hudson, uh, but I think that 20 to 25 yeah. is perfectly the range that I would be comfortable with Hudson. So um, we won't tell you exactly where he ended up, but it's, it's somewhere in that range. Uh, with Hudson, um, he was a player that you had to bring up. Uh, we were talking about some different players and where we wanted to rank him and all that, and, and rank them and all that stuff. And we kind of, we kind of let go of the Hudson situation until you brought it up. Um, so talk me through that and and how important it was for you to have him at, at this range here. Yeah, I was keeping an eye on Hudson for a while, probably probably like as soon as as we started our discussion of uh, it's wide open now is when I started thinking of Cole Hudson in that like yeah. mid teens range, uh, but. Cole Hudson has played far from a perfect season so far and uh, has a, a plethora of developmental hurdles that he's going to have to overcome. But yeah. especially in a draft class like this year's where there is a real lack of elite high-end skill outside the top 10, mm -hmm. I really couldn't justify us dropping him out to the top 25. And once we got towards the tail end of that, of, of that range, I felt the need to kind of put my foot down and be like, this is, this is the Cole Hudson range in this draft class. And I was expecting a little bit of opposition maybe um, just because of how, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, black and white his game is in many yeah. ways and how, how frustrating and concerning that can be. But uh, surprisingly got, got, quite little opposition there and I think everyone kind of agreed like yeah this is like once we were getting into some names that uh, that didn't even crack crack our top 32 and they were kind of being mentioned I was like yeah it's Cole Hudson time and uh yeah I think with, with that amount of skill in this draft class it would be difficult to rank him outside of that range and yeah. uh, I wanted to make sure that that uh, if if he gains some form this season that we don't have to rise him up by like uh 10 to 15 to 20 slots on our board to get him to a respectable range 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Fully agreed. Um, also want to talk a bit about uh, Matt Vesharov and uh, a, an MHL defender who neither one of us really had in the first round. Um, but Graham, our, our Russia scout, who unfortunately couldn't make the meeting, but still sent in his ranges for these uh, for these Russian players, uh, really was was, you know, adamant on having him as kind of a 10 to 20 range player. We ended up not going that high on him, but just as a re- as respect for Graham's wishes and, and how he sees this player, we still ended up ranking him uh, a bit lower than that, um, but still within a respectable range. So, you know, Shravin's an interesting player for me so far. I see a lot of composure, a lot of poise, um, but not a lot of skill that can surround that composure and poise with kind of a, a solid base of, of, of abilities um, in order to showcase how calm he is with the puck. But um, he's an interesting player, and I think that 25 is decent enough. Um, and we'll definitely talk to Graham a bit more to have his take on having him on having Shirov in 10 to 20. Because isn't that a bit high? Do you feel like that's a bit high? I, I feel like it's a bit high. It's it's higher than I'm comfortable doing right now. That that yeah. said, if if the consistency of his decision making and the <laughs> level of his intelligence in terms of creating advantages on every single shift in the KHL. If that's consistent this season, I'm totally happy with that range. Uh, I I haven't seen enough yet. I mean, he's he's only played two games so far this season in the KHL, logging over 10 minutes, and I've watched both, and he looked good in both. Uh, It's still a pretty small sample, and I think that there are other players with which we had a a larger sample uh, whose skill sets are less specialist, whereas with... uh, with Shuravan, the only way he's going to really be an impactful NHLer is if his brain carries him all that way and his tools can take a couple of steps to catch up. But uh, I, I I really didn't mind uh, having him in the, like probably more 20 to 25 range, but like yeah. I, I didn't mind that at all uh, personally. I think when when I saw that, that, that Graham had him ranked that highly, uh, I felt valid a little bit with my past viewings uh, that, that that have impressed me, even though I'm left slightly skeptical based on the consistency issues, which we talked about in in an episode last week. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it was a really interesting one because it was also a bullish stance, and we were at a point in our meeting where nobody had any bullish takes left. Like we yeah. got we got past all of those by like we got when we got to like twenty four probably with with Cole Hudson. Yeah. Uh, and and beyond that point, it was kind of just a thing of like, okay, we've got to plug in some names here. We had a list of players. Like I had a, probably two other guys I wanted to get in apart from mm-hmm. Shiravan, but with Graham's uh, a strong stance on Shiravan, we we plugged him in, and uh, I'm actually quite happy that he cracked that he cracked our top 32 because I think the intelligence and even in a tiny sample, the KHL success is very impressive. So yeah, I I, I quite I quite liked that as a as a, as a take. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think another wall we hit was once we hit kind of the 30 range because yeah, there's a no lot one. of names. <laughs> yeah, that's the main issue is yeah. that like there's a bunch of names that we could have in the first round, but like in any other draft year, they probably wouldn't be. And that was kind of the, the hard thing with this kind of range. Yeah, I, I think it, it, Henry Muse would be the only one. Yeah, Muse was the one that I was like, I was like, we're getting in him in somehow. I've watched like every yeah. single home game he's played in the OHL live. Like yeah. I need this guy inside the top 32. Mm-hmm. But in, as you were saying, like in past drafts, once we hit like 30 to 32 range, you have every single scout frantically trying to get their guy into that yeah, board. Just kind of shoving him in and the first round. Just like, get in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like under any circumstance. So last year for yeah. me, that was Luca Pinelli. I was like, it doesn't matter. Luca Pinelli is getting in, in the early <laughs> season boards. Yeah. And uh, that, that's, that, that's what I was kind of expecting coming into this meeting. But 
uh, as I said, I think everyone was kind of like collectively surprised as to how unenthusiastic most of us were for very specific <laughs> prospects. And yeah. uh, when we hit like 29 to 32, like it was really just a thing of we had to plug in some names that were like, yeah, like the, their range goes up into the first round. Therefore, yeah. I guess we'll put them in here. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the past, it has really been like enthusiastic, loud banging on the table for specific players. Yeah which we saw a lot, lot less of uh, in our first meeting, which I think is yeah. indicative of how we feel of the draft class as a whole. Yeah, and I feel like the main thing with this kind of range was like, you know, there were players that there were players that we were considering uh, that even the regional scouts were considering that they were just like, this guy sucks. And we had to basically, we had to, we had to consider players that the, the regional scout did not like. So the, at the end Poor of the Luke. day, it was just like, yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, for like our, our idea was just, you know, we'll rank them in the top 32. If you're just kind of meh on them, if you, if you don't like this player, we'll make the statement of putting him in the honorable mentions, but yeah, yeah. It, it was that weird of an end of draft here. So yeah, it's going to get a bit more solidified as the year goes on. And as we pick up on these kind of these gems that aren't talked about too much yet, um, and as players kind of solidify, I'm hoping there are many. I'm hoping yeah. there's going to be like five to ten gems that that, that rise up because yeah. the enthusiasm I think was more applicable for like the four to fifty range that we were showing for like the late twenties. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. <absolutely. laughs> Alrighty, so that ends things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you would like what you've been watching, make sure to like and subscribe and leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. If you're watching on YouTube, of course, and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day for your second another day make sure to check out locked on sports today we've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports and make sure to tune in for tomorrow's episode as we kind of give you a preview and an idea of what to expect in terms of our double prospects 2024 nhl draft rankings the first one of the draft here this has been hattie kalakesh with sebastian high and we hope you tune in next time hey prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.